Hey everybody, this is Tom Salemi. Welcome back to the Device Talks Weekly Podcast. We have another very special episode for you this week. This is the second time we've done this. Uh, we'll be hosting the final 10 finalists, final 10 finalists for the MedTech Color Pitch Competition, which is happening on March 3rd. So we'll hear from 10 of these startup companies. We gave them each about three to four minutes. And uh, you'll get to hear their stories and uh, their company's approaches. And, and I have to say, as I mentioned in the podcast, uh, I really appreciate the different directions that these companies come at to solve uh, some of healthcare's more vexing problems. So lots of insights, lots of creativity, and uh, I know you'll enjoy hearing their stories. And uh, they'll be, again, competing for the MedTech Color uh, Pitch Competition or competing at the competition on March 3rd. And to tell us more about MedTech Color and the competition, we'll have Executive Director Kwame Ulmer on the show. He'll uh, walk through the Newmarkers Newsmakers with us, although no Chris Newmarker this week. You'll find out why. And uh, he'll also tell us a bit about uh, MedTech Color, its origins, uh, what impact it's had over its five years. And uh, I also ask him uh, how he sees the industry at large sort of uh, working toward increasing diversity as uh, it's something we all pledged to do uh, a few years ago. So a bit of a report card on that. Before we begin this episode, though, I'd like to remind you that Device Talks Tuesday has resumed. We had season one, or excuse me, we had episode one of season four last week, and we'll have episode two of season four on Tuesday at 4 p.m. It's brought to you by HP, and it's called How Effective Quality Management Systems Maximize Additive Manufacturing Medical Device Production. Once again, it's brought to you by Hewlett Packard. So uh, register now. Go to devicetalks.com. You can sign up. You can watch it live. You can watch it on demand. Either way, whatever suits you, it's a great way to uh, keep your skill set sharp and to engage with uh, some really, really high-quality companies out there. So go to again to devicetalks.com. While you're there, Check out the agenda. I did add the agenda for Device Talks Boston. I'm still filling it out. I've got a few gaps that I need to fill, and we'll be doing that soon. But uh, lots of great content up there. It's going to be a fantastic two days, May 10th and 11th, at the Boston Convention and Exhibition Center. Go to devicetalks.com for information about Device Talks Boston. And finally, of course, while you're on devicetalks.com, you can find our Device Talks podcast network, other episodes of the Device Talks Weekly, Striker Talks, Intuitive Talks, Medtronic Talks, they're all there. And uh, we are uh, beginning to record episodes of our newest podcast series, which will be Boston Scientific Talks. So keep an eye out for that. We'll have that sent out through the Device Talks Podcast Network very soon, probably in the next uh, month or so. All right. Fantastic. Let us get this episode rolling. Thanks for listening to the Device Talks weekly podcast all right you ready for this ready Sean Hooley is filling in for Chris Newmarker. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. I'm doing better than Chris, who's probably under a foot of snow by now. But I, I, I did check in with him just before. I said, Chris, uh, we're going to start recording the podcast intro soon. Any message for our listeners? Sent me a picture of his driveway. Which doesn't look too bad. 
So there's been a lull so far. Need to shovel soon. This sounds like a like a telegram. Stop. <laughs> the second wave later is supposed to be a lot worse. Stop. We'll see. Snowman emoji. <laughs> and then I said gulp. And then he said Kelly made some great no need bread in the oven this morning. So they're getting by. They're getting by. Although it's almost gone. He sent me a picture. It's almost gone. <laughs> so, but uh, but we're fortunate to have you here filling in for Chris Newmarker and exceedingly excited to have Kwame Almer, Executive Director of MedTech Color in the booth. Kwame, welcome back. Oh, it's great to be back, Tom. I've uh, been looking forward to this. I'm so excited to have uh, to have the uh, the final uh, the ten finalists from the MedTech Color Pitch Contest uh, on. We recorded individual interviews with with all of them, and we'll run them throughout the episode. But uh, I'm equally excited to have you as part of the New Markers Newsmakers because last time you were here, I don't know if you remember, uh, you gave us some insights on on Bayless when it was acquired by Boston Scientific, and uh, you would you would clue us in on the fact that they hadn't raised any venture money. And uh, it was a bit of a scoop. And actually, I got an email or a message from, on LinkedIn from uh, one of the Bayless folks later on saying, confirming the fact that, uh, yes, what was reported on on uh, Device Talks Weekly was correct. So that was kind of cool. So bring it. Keep bringing all the cool stuff, Kwame. I have a, I have a future as an investigative journalist. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So uh, let's just uh, visit with you for a moment. Tell us about the, the MedTech Color. Well, let's, let's zoom back and talk about MedTech Color a bit. I was looking at the website. Um, I was trying to figure out when it was founded. The date 2017 is on there. Was it founded in 2017 or did, you, did it come together after that? Um, we started actually earlier in the infancy in 2016. We've been five years as a 501c3 formally. Okay. Uh, so we've been, we've, I like to say we have a, we've had a five-year journey, and That's it's been cool. great. And five years is, a, is a, I think, a good length of time to sort of get a sense of things. Uh, has it developed as you hoped it would, uh, and has it uh, achieved some of the things that you, you hoped it would accomplish? It, it succeeded my expectations. In the beginning, the idea was to try and build community. And we had a very simple notion of if we could just get together over an event, uh, interesting conversations would take place, new conversations, nurturing of professional relationships. But we developed into a full-fledged nonprofit with three main programs, our pitch competition, which we're going to talk about. The networking breakfast remains a, a keystone event. And we're doing a lot of work in diversity of clinical trials. So it's been uh, a wonderful thing to see grow. And you talked to Holly Scott not so long ago. Mm -hmm. We've been able to have these amazing partnerships with industry leaders. Holly Scott, Joe Mullins, the entire TMG group has really um, dove in. And they've been supporting our top 10 winners. That's great. No, I, I mean, I'm grateful as someone who puts together events and puts out content. To have organizations like yours and like MedTech Women really making it easier for me to ensure that we're talking to everyone we need to talk to and make sure that our, our content and our conferences are as, uh, as well represented as or represents the, the population at large as best that we can. Because it's sometimes a challenge if you just rely upon going out through normal channels. So uh, I'm grateful and uh, I'm glad we could uh, work with you on the MedTech color uh, uh pitch competition so let, let's let's talk about the competition uh i mentioned we have 10 finalists we'll hear from them today what's the next step the next step is the uh competition live yep. and in person in los angeles specifically in color culver city at bioscience la 
Um, we were joking earlier. Uh, we're going to have a couple cameras in true Hollywood fashion. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be a production. We're going to live stream it. We'll have judges from the NIH, uh, Johnson & Johnson, Olympus. So it's just going to be a uh, what I like to call a tier one event. And a lot of our partners from McDermott, Will & Emery, uh, Wilson Sincini and others will be there live and in person as well. And how will the, the companies that we're going to hear from today on the podcast and people will hear from uh, on, on uh, March 3rd, uh, how will they be evaluated and, and how will the winner be chosen? What, what qualities are you looking for? So um, we've rolled it down to a few key um, categories that they will be judged on numerically. This will be an objective process where the person with the highest score wins, but they'll be on areas like team, technology, um, and ability to hit future milestones. Uh, and we'll have special prizes. ResMed is coming back for year three where they're going to hand select one of the companies to enter into their own corporate accelerator. They have a founder residence program. Johnson & Johnson is going to select one of the winners to enter to get a JLabs membership. So all these other uh, benefits will be there as well. And these corporate partners have their own criteria. For Final question before we kind of get into the new markers, newsmakers. Are you seeing sort of a surge of interest from uh, entrepreneurs of color in the life sciences and starting companies because you're giving attention to this? Are you sort of do you feel like you're creating I, some frothiness that people are kind of being drawn to? I'm so, so glad you mentioned that. We have commented on the quality of the companies increasing. And quite yep. candidly, when we increase the prize money, we think that's a factor. And now we can say that we have 15 special prizes. So we can say not only do you have this modest amount of non-dilutive capital, but you have access to strategics um, who have these special prizes that can help you along the way. So, yes, we think we've been a bit of a magnet. That's great. I'm always um, pleasantly surprised by the the breadth of areas that your finalists cover uh, for everything from traditional med tech to uh, something very, very niche and not, that doesn't get any attention at all and should um, uh, support for, for, for children who need help with, their, with ment- supporting with, uh, with mental health. Um, it's just an area that, that is essential. It's a, it's a part of our healthcare system that's in shambles. And it's great to see innovators paying attention to that and trying to find new ways to support these most vulnerable people uh, in our population. So uh, you're, you're, you've got some great companies here. Um, I think that's an excellent point. We have companies working on menopause. Yep. Uh, we have companies uh, uh, have hardware, software solutions for uh, ophthalmic conditions. It's such a wide range of technologies. And uh, that's that's a really exciting part. I didn't anticipate it, but I agree. It's a great part of the program. Yep. No, I'm, I'm always uh, I always enjoy these conversations. So. All right, now we'll begin running our interviews with MedTech Colors' top 10 finalists for their pitch competition. I recorded these interviews separately. I gave each uh, CEO roughly three to four minutes to, to tell their story. I did so, We did some minor editing to the interviews just to kind of smooth them out. But what you hear is pretty much what we got, and we're just going to run them alphabetically. I think that's the fairest way to go about it. So first up, I'd like to introduce Biomed. Biomed is described as a next-generation subscription-based healthcare platform that uses 3D bioprinting, AI, machine learning, big data, 
and a patient's DNA to deliver highly personalized and precision medicine to improve patient healthcare outcomes throughout their life. And I spoke with CEO and founder, Bobby Natoya. Let's listen. Bobby, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, Tom. My name is Bobby Natoya, CEO here at Biomed. I'm a serial entrepreneur, been running businesses for several years. The last 20 years, I've had multiple different businesses. So I've been doing that for several years. One of the things, when I was undergrad, I played basketball, tried out undergrad at UIC. Oh, wow. Uh, didn't work out the way I wanted it to. Decided to kind of go chase the dream a little bit, tried out for a couple of professional teams here in the U.S. and abroad. Uh, that didn't work out. <laughs> and I realized <laughs> that basketball was not my calling, so to speak. But during that whole period, I was constantly looking and starting different companies at the time and realized that that was literally my calling. And never looked back. Uh, this is my sixth company, Biomed, and been doing it ever since. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, tell us yeah. a little bit about Biomed. Okay, Biomed is a healthcare platform that utilizes technology and science to deliver highly personalized and precision medicine to help patients have better outcomes through taking medications. And so one of the things we're really doing is really focusing on technology, AI, 3D bioprinting, DNA, and big data to basically get the information to personalize the actual dosing for individuals. And so what are your product or, or technologies look like? Are you developing drugs or some other sort of technology? Yeah, we're, de- uh, we're basically developing a 3D bioprinter. We've got an algorithm, AI machine learning. We have a way to get the DNA sequencing and everything, utilizing everybody's information or patient's information to give them precise dosing specifically for them. So it's basically the technology, not so much the drugs at mm-hmm. the moment, even though that's a possible in the future. And what are you trying to treat? Right now, we're focusing on hemp-derived CBD. So it's typically elements that has to do with either insomnia, any physical pain that they properly have, anything to do with mental health and multiple things and different ailments of that sort. Great. And uh, finally, where are you in your development? What milestones are you hoping to reach over the next uh, year or so? Great question. So right now we're filing a breakthrough device designation filing through the FDA for the 3D bioprinter. So we're looking to do that this year. We're raising seed round about two and a half million dollars. We're also uh, in the i program uh, through the National Science Foundation. Uh, we're looking to raise about uh, $2.2 million through the grants, uh, phase one, phase two, and phase three uh, with the SBIR. So we're looking to do that, uh, finalize that this year, and then increase our AR to about 500000 to 600000 on an MR, roughly about 40 plus thousand a month. Fantastic. How can folks find more information about Biomed? So we basically, the company is Biomed, B-I-O-M-E-D dot B-I-O. That's our parent company. But our product or the brand that we've launched is called Medibles. And that's M-E-D-I-B-L-E-S dot A-I. They can find us there, take an assessment, and then we can, um, you know, send them products or they can look through the the website. Fantastic. Thanks for uh, the time today, Bobby. Thank you so much, Tom. All right, next up, I'd like to bring Maria Navas Moreno. She is the CEO of Lumify DX. And Lumify develops, excuse me, Lumify DX develops tests for the analysis of biofluids for early cancer detection. Company's technology is based on rapid, take seconds, optical sensing of the overall chemical composition of the sample 
that is non-invasive and fully automated. The company is currently focused on cancers for which there are no biomarkers. So let's hear from Maria Navas Moreno, again, CEO of Alumify DX. Maria, tell us quickly a little bit about yourself. Sure. I am a physicist by training and an entrepreneur by passion. This is my second company. And this company, our goal is to make cancer diagnostics available and accessible to everybody. We do it by analyzing what is called liquid biopsy. So taking blood samples, saliva, all the bodily fluids, looking for those traces of cancer, not genetics, but all the molecules that the cells use to communicate with each other. At the moment, we are focusing on the type of cancers that occur in head and neck. So think of the cancers that happen in the mouth and the throat, mainly. We are very early stage, so we have proof of concept. And right now, we are in the process of building our team, really pursuing the funds to go after clinical validation and and really get the technology up to speed to give it to the patients. That's great. What, what is the origin of the technology? So the origin of the technology is the University of California, Davis. And it's basically, we collect the entire chemical composition of the sample that we are analyzing. We do so by shooting lasers at the sample. So this is called optical spectroscopy. Mm-hmm. And really our secret sauce is in how we analyze that data and how we collect the important information. Great. And what are you uh, hoping to accomplish over the next year? Uh, In addition to raising money, what are some milestones you're hoping to hit? It's really about building the strong team. So we have the technical team. Both my co-founder and I are pretty strong on on the technical side of things. But we also need people with experience in the regulatory side, of course. And the other big milestone is setting up the laboratory that will be outside of the university so we can start collecting the data and setting up the stage for what will be the submission for FDA certification and the next steps in that regulatory strategy. Fantastic. And if someone listening to this wants to find out more information about Alumify DX, do you have a website they can... uh... Fine. Yeah, it's it's pretty basic right now. So mm. it's illumifydx.com. They can also shoot me an email. Is Maria at illumifydx.com. Fantastic. All right, Maria. Well, best of luck and thanks for sharing your story. For sure. Thank you for having me, Tom. All right, now it's time to bring in Samantha Scott. She is the CEO of June Brain Inc. June Brain is developing a telehealth eye scanning system to remotely detect and monitor neurologists, and eye diseases for the 1.3 billion individuals worldwide suffering from these types of conditions. So let's hear from Samantha Scott. Again, she is CEO of JuneBrain. Sam, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself before we uh, learn about your company. A little bit about myself. So I'm a, I'm a nerd. <laughs> I, <laughs> my background is biomedical engineering, uh, and I focus primarily on the brain, so anything neuroscience, anything retinal disease related. So a lot of my career time has been spent with patients who are low vision or who have some type of vision loss and understanding what's going on in their brain, in their eye. The brain and eyes are my happy place. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I'm also a mom with a three-year-old. So that's, I'm a a parentpreneur. (laughs) 
that's a different kind of happy place. And, be, and because you admitted to being a nerd, I'll give you an extra five seconds for this. <laughs> so tell me about June Brain. Oh, June Brain, uh, we're based in Baltimore, Maryland. I started the company a few years ago, and it was really based around the starting of June Brain was based around my own experiences. So around 2017, I switched sides of the aisle and went from scientist researcher to neurology patient. Uh, so mm. I was diagnosed with a chronic neuromuscular disease. And it was really the challenges that I faced with monitoring my disease is what inspired me to start June Brain. It turned out that many people share the challenges that I went through, which is essentially, you know, our doctors heavily rely on us to self-report what's going on with our disease on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis between your annual clinical exams. So at June Brain, we're developing this telehealth network of devices and AI-driven software that expands the ophthalmology clinic into non-traditional settings. So that can be in the patient's home, in a pharmacy or a primary care clinic. And it provides a way to monitor objectively how patients are doing outside of their regular clinical exams. That's great. And how are you able to do that? How is June Brain able to do that? Yeah, so with more nerds, <laughs> no, we have an awesome team, but really it's kind of approaching the problem from a few different ways. You know, a lot of people on our team are personally impacted by the diseases that we're trying to help. We're really just focused on accessibility, taking very cool, intelligent technologies and making them accessible to people who traditionally have a hard time getting to these resources. So from a hardware point of view, we're building this pretty awesome device. It's a wearable retinal imaging system that can be used without the help of a trained person. So it can be used in any setting. Software automatically analyzes what's coming from the device. Our service is to provide a regular reports about the patient to their provider. So kind of a three, three front challenge. What are you hoping to accomplish over the next year or so? What are some, some of your next milestones? Oh, yeah, we have a lot. The biggest one, yeah. FDA approval is one of them. For the software and the device over the next year, or at least submitting to the FDA, uh, generating first revenue, so actually getting our technology into providers' hands and having them say, you know what, this solves our problem well enough that we're going to pay you to use it. I think that will be the best validation we can receive. And fundraising, always fundraising. Of course. How can folks find out more about JuneBrain? Uh, sure. So our website, we actually just redid it. So JuneBrain.com. We're also crowdfunding. That's a great source of information on Republic. But really our website, you can email us anytime we actually answer. Excellent, Sam. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. All right. So you've heard our first three finalists for the MedTech Color Pitch Competition. We'll bring you the remaining seven a little later in the podcast. Well, we'll talk a little more about the uh, the program in a bit. But uh, Sean, if you want to, uh, if you want to don your Minnesota accent and uh, do your best, Chris Newmarker, and let's roll through the the Newmarkers newsmakers. You don't have to do that, Sean. <laughs> no, I was going to say my grandmother's from St. Paul, so oh, there you uh, go. All right, there is there is some lineage there, but I don't. I would sound like a real jerk if I tried to do it. Uh, <laughs> What's number so, five on the number- Newmarkers newsmakers list? For number five, we have Supreme Court denies Johnson & Johnson's appeal of a $302 million vaginal mesh ruling. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the 
highest court in the country uh, denied an appeal attempt uh, the allegations of false and deceptive marketing for the company's vaginal mesh implants. It goes back to a lawsuit against the its Ethicon subsidiary in 2016 in the state of California. And uh, yeah, it's you know it's a, a lot of money. It says that uh, you know Jim Hammeran covered this uh, late in the afternoon yesterday. Uh, the company last week said it. Spent six hundred million dollars in litigation expenses, uh, primarily related to the pelvic mesh for its medtech segment in twenty twenty two. So that's a lot of money, and uh, the Supreme Court tossed it. Yeah, no, they've been, they've been having some difficulties on the legal front here with uh, with their effort to uh, protect themselves against some of the alleged damage done by their their talc franchise. Um, Kwame, do you how closely are you following this? You're in California. This is in California. Is this a this resonating there? Yeah, I, I would just say, yeah, the, the chilling effect uh, meshes, I think, still persists. And uh, yeah. it's just uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, but uh, sometimes when major players exit, um, it just dries up solutions in a particular space. And sometimes for good reasons, for safety reasons, as we know. Absolutely. All right. All right. Well, it's uh, we'll keep tracking. Uh, I'm sure Mass Device and MDO will keep uh, keep an eye on that on that developing story. What's number four, Sean Hooley? Number four is Origami Surgical wins FDA clearance for its stitch kit device uh, that helps with robotic surgery. So it's not the robotic surgery platform itself, um, but it it's a extension or a expansion of the company's indication for uh, the size of incision. Uh, and basically, this device is a it, enhances robot-assisted surgery, according to the company. It allows mm-hmm. a surgeon to manage the aspects of suture use and needle disposal in clear view. Um, the company describes it as providing safety, autonomy, and efficiency in robotic surgery. So I think just in general, surgical robots are of interest to our readers, and, and that's why this story seems to be popular. Um, obviously, like I said, it's not the same as a surgical robot itself, but it seems to play a pretty big role in the actual process. So it's, it's an interesting story and it seems like it's a pretty big deal to some. Kwame, any thoughts on this? I, I, I um, am meeting with the company in this space. I have to be very careful because I don't want to get in trouble. Oh, come uh, on. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll push, I'll, I'll push pause on record. We won't record this part. No. <laughs> uh, but just to add to what Sean was saying, they want to actually create uh, a solution for a condition that, enables their robot um, to just really, as you might imagine, go to the next indication. And it's not an incremental, it'd be creating a new market. And I just feel like robots are here uh, mm-hmm. for sure. And I, I'm just having a conversation with another company that's just looking to expand. And you're looking, you're talking to them as uh... yeah, well, I'm actually talking to them in my role as a, as a, as an investor with Waymaker 360. How? Okay. Cause we're, we're looking at, a company that would enable this new market expansion in partnership with this robot, surgical robotics company. Right, and just for the for the the uh, just for some context, this isn't uh, meant to reflect on any of the posts. We're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. We were off on Monday. We didn't record much news then, so this is the really the best of Tuesday and Wednesday morning. Some more bigger news may come on Thursday and Friday. Very likely could, but just want to let folks know uh, where where the sample size that we're we're drawing from for this particular new Marcus newsmakers. All right, Sean, let us uh, let us roll on to number three, which is legitimately big news from a census surgical. 
Yeah, this this is an actual surgical robot. Uh, <laughs> so we're we're staying in the space, but it is uh, it's interesting. They've obviously last week they rolled out two massive pieces of news with uh, collaborations with Google Cloud and uh, Carl Stores on the development of some of the sort of uh, different features of their overall platform. But t- yesterday they unveiled their next generation platform that encompasses all of it, called Luna. Um, they call it an integrated digital surgery solution. And ba- basically, I think last year when Transenterics uh, rebranded to a census, their, their mission, their goal was performance-guided surgery. So this is sort of a step in that direction. It's, it's all in one surgical platform and instruments, intraoperative clinical intelligence, a secure cloud platform, you know, a big uh, station for the sur- – if you, if you read the story on our site, there's an image that kind of demonstrates exactly how it works and or exactly what you're looking at, and it's it's quite something, to, to be honest with you. Kwame, do you have any uh, insights on, on, a, on a census? This is a company, as, got, as Sean mentioned, we've been tracked for a while, was Transenterics. Changed their name. They made some news last week, uh, as Sean also referenced. Uh, uh, it's yeah. it's one of the smaller companies, but uh, they're, they're they're continuing to to push forward. Yeah, I I know I know the name Carl Stores, but not a census. And congratulations to them for getting into a really crowded space. And it sounds like yeah. they really uh, did something innovative. And I just was looking at their their stock. Uh, it's trading for had been trading for under a dollar has remained under a dollar even with this news. So uh, I guess it just demonstrates that you really. To, I mean, it seems like a, a big pronouncement, but uh, not big enough to to move the stock price. So I think it's going to be a slow and steady, slow and steady progress for for a census. So we'll we'll keep following that story as well. All right, we'll take a break from the New Markers Newsmakers to bring back our MedTech Color finalist. Once again, we're working alphabetically, and our next company is Level 42 AI. It's a very cool company that uses audible and inaudible sounds and vibrations generated by the human body to detect disease. I had a great conversation with Dr. Sasha Jumbe, and uh, let's hear from, uh, from Sasha Jumbe. Could you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you arrive uh, to where you are today? Sure. I'm originally from Zimbabwe. My undergraduate education was at McAllister College in Minnesota, where I majored in chemistry and engineering physics and was a three-time track and field All-American and two-time national champion. Wow. My postgraduate education is in biomedical engineering, and I got that at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute and Albany Medical College in upstate New York. I've led data science teams at Amgen, Genentech, Roche, and the Gates Foundation over the last 20 years. Very impressive. So tell us a bit about your company. You are CEO and president of Level 42 AI? I'm the CEO, president, and also data scientist in the company. As as you all know, startups, (laughs) you, you get to do everything. So Level 42 AI solutions collect and decipher subtle signals from our bodies that tell us that something is wrong or is going to go wrong early when we can still do something about it. And this ultimately helps to save lives and reduce healthcare costs. As you well know, Tom, most of us worry about how we look in fashion and in health. Sure. But from a health perspective, we should really be paying attention to how we sound because the heart, the lungs, and the gut uh, key musical instruments in the band or the orchestra that is our body. So Level 42 AI is creating a whole science around these vibrations. And this is nothing new. Uh, this knowledge has been around with us for the last 4,000 years from 
traditional African and Eastern medicines, and we're just combining what has been known for a long time with algorithms in order to change Western medicine to be more responsive. Interesting. So what is the microphone or whatever you want to call it that, that's picking up the sound and how is it used? Is it something that's worn all the time or is this something that's used in a clinical setting? We're starting off with solutions that are used in the clinical setting. So we call these point of need solutions. And we've decided to go through the FDA first because uh, most of what you see today, there's over 400,000 health apps that are out there. And most of them pander to what we call health theater. So by starting (laughs) with a solution that is tailored for physicians and then can be translated over to the consumer, you're going to essentially fill up the white space between clinical visits and uh, where we spend most of our time at work and at play. And what is actually being heard? Physically, the sounds that my joints are making when I wake up in the morning? or <laughs> Yeah, so interestingly, there is sounds you can hear, like the joints are the rumble in your stomach, your creaking knees and hips, etc. But actually, similar to light, right, there's light you can see and then also light that you can't see. There are sounds that you can hear and sounds that you can't hear that are generated by your body. Imagine hearing every single heartbeat or every single breath. That'll drive you nuts. So we're actually focusing our effort on those sounds that you can't hear where all the information around your health resides. Fascinating. Tell us uh, where you are in your development. What, what are you hoping to accomplish over the next year or so? We are in the middle of an FDA submission right now, which we will complete in April. So we've been able to test our solution in over 6,000 patients over the last year. And we've been working very closely with the FDA and also with Health Canada. And we have two follow-on products that target heart disease and stroke that are currently in the clinic and being tested. And we look forward to bringing those to the market over the next nine to 12 months as well. Fascinating. Finally, how can folks find out more information about Level 42 AI? Yeah, so first, the the name Level 42 actually comes from a 2005 Moss Def movie that most of you might actually not know called The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where the number 42 is the answer given by the supercomputer to the question of life, the universe, and everything. So you can find (laughs) us on LinkedIn as well as on, on Twitter and Facebook. Just look for Level 42 AI, and our white papers on our technology are being published in leading clinical and AI journals, and we'll also make those available online. That's very interesting. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast, Sasha. Tom, thank you for having me. Our next company is Movement Interactive. I spoke with CEO Eric Luster, and Movement Interactive is delivering or working to deliver a life-saving platform for athletes and senior citizens. The aim of the technology is to address undiagnosed concussions and unreported falls that its users face. It's offering a safety as a service solution that's being leveraged across multiple verticals, including sports and senior living. So let's hear from CEO Eric Luster. Eric, uh, welcome to the uh, podcast and tell us a little bit about yourself. Great. Well, thanks for having me, Tom. I'm really excited to uh, share uh, this journey uh, about Movement Interactive as I founded the company in 2016. It's been a long journey for me. I'm currently in Phoenix, Arizona, but I came to Arizona via the Army, where I enlisted as a nuclear biological chemical specialist. Wow. Yeah. But I was stationed in a tactical satellite battalion, and I got two for one out of the Army. I learned both jobs and deployed in my early 20s and led about 
42 personnel and $20 million worth of equipment. And I learned a great deal transitioning out of the Army. I got really interested in person-centered design because I started, I was recruited out of the Army by Northrop Grumman Mission Systems. And I found out that they were developing technologies that didn't include the full input from the users. Wow. All right. Well, this has led to the founding of Movement Interactive. Tell us a bit about the company. Yeah. So I set out to address one problem. And so we built our core technology, which is a wearable sensor for detecting and reporting concussions in real time. So we're really excited about this core technology. But our big IP in the company, again, is that person-centered design. And so we, we set out, we continue to talk with customers and we continue to innovate. I'm a portfolio entrepreneur. So before we set out and set our goals and align them with, say, investors, we actually align those with our customers and our clients. And so that has led to uh, several different innovations built around that core technology. Can you tell us a bit about the product and, and how does it work with the user? Is this something they wear while they're playing? Yes. So the user wears it. Again, we were purchase centered. So originally, very eager and wanted to come in with the bias. We were going to put the sensor inside of a football helmet, but we actually listened to the customer. So we placed the sensor inside of a headband, which allows us to capture impact data across helmeted and non-helmeted sports. Fascinating. And this is being used currently or? Yes. So we are the official provider for the Women's Premier Soccer League, which is the largest semi-pro women's soccer league. So uh, we're, we're currently conducting studies and slowly rolling out to that league to detect and report those concussions in real time. Very cool. And what are your next milestones and accomplishments? What are you hoping to uh, achieve in the next year? Great question. So at the core of our technology, it works similar to the technology that deploys your airbag. So it uses a biomechanical approach. So over the next year here, we want to validate and, and further uh, test. So we've actually partnered with a company to where we are validating our referee data against uh, biomarkers. So this is a really exciting study for us, and this will help us go and, and, and take this into every sport. That's great. And how can folks find out more about Movement Interactive? Yes. So we can be found online at movement-interactive.com. Thank you very much, Eric Lester, for joining us on the podcast. Excellent. Thanks for having me, Tom. I appreciate it. Our final finalist for this group is Navigate Maternity. I spoke with CEO Ariana McGee about the company, and Navigate Maternity has created a system that allows clinicians and care teams to remotely monitor prenatal and postpartum patients. Navigate Maternity's goal is to improve outcomes and avoid inequitable care through real-time data. Again, I spoke with Ariana McGee, the CEO, who has some very personal reasons to uh, to create this company. Let's listen. Well, Ariana McGee, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I'm eager to learn about Navigate Maternity, but first, uh, tell us just a little bit about yourself. I understand this is your first startup venture. It is. So I have worked in corporate spaces for the last 11 years. Uh, you know, I've worked in biotech, I've worked in pharma, I've worked in med device and market access, but now I am out on my own. <laughs> <laughs> and you're a co-founder and CEO of Navigate. Tell us about Navigate and how you came to uh, understand the opportunity. 
Definitely. So I am a mother of four children. My husband and I have four babies under the age of five. Amazing. And thank you. It is. It has been a feat. And through my own experience of having my children very close and, and then also having them all via C-section, I started to uncover some of the major gaps. So for instance, when I was pregnant with my third child during COVID, I wasn't being touched. Everything went virtual. And that was my first clue that there was a major gap here. Then fast forward, my husband and I relocated from Denver to our home state of Indiana. And I started to uncover that the rates in our home state were, were really, really bad. We were ranked number three in the nation for maternal death and that our country was ranked 55th in the world. We actually have the worst prenatal postpartum death rate of any high resource nation in the world. Wow. Lastly, Black women like myself were dying three to four times that national average. So all of those stats started swirling in my mind. And that's how I found it, Navigate. And lastly, when I had my daughter nine months ago, I almost died. And that's when it became crystal clear that there is a major problem here. I had a very tired on-call doctor who tried to send me home. Despite me being high risk, despite me coming in for now my fourth C-section, she wouldn't listen to me. And I had to plead. My mother had to plead. We had to really you know, advocate for her to finally call my doctor. My doctor absolutely was like, no, you can't leave. She rushed in. She takes me back to the operating room. They opened me up and I have a huge uterine window. My uterus was so thin, it looked like a water balloon. It almost oh burst. And so had I gone home, had I not had navigate, had I not known, like most patients don't know, I would have died. And my daughter would have died. And that is what Navigate is trying to solve for. That's an outstanding, horrible story. And I'm glad everyone is well. What is Navigate's solution? So we have a remote patient monitoring system for prenatal and postpartum mothers. Our system has a suite of sensors, which include a Bluetooth blood pressure cuff and a Bluetooth scale. And we have a software that captures all of that real-time biometric data and social determinants of health scoring, as well as mental health scoring, so that physicians giving that patient care can actually re remotely monitor their patients and intervene before a catastrophic event takes place. And what does the, the system look like? You have some Bluetooth capabilities, I understand? Yes. So I've got our, I have our Bluetooth hardware, and then we also have our software and, and we have a patient app so that, that that patient is part of this process and they too can help monitor their their blood pressure and monitor different things that are happening with them. And they can then now reach their care team directly, which that is a huge gap, making sure that they have that connectivity to their care team. Oh, that's absolutely essential. What are your next uh, milestones? What are you hoping to achieve? So over the course of this year, we've got a lot set out, but I feel confident that we'll be, you know, we'll, we'll make those milestone. So first thing is that we're gearing up currently now for our feasibility studies. You know, we want to make sure that this this device works and it works for patients and it works for the care teams so that this works seamlessly into the current workflow. Secondly, you know, we are in our seed round, so we are now raising capital for our seed. And then lastly, our goal is to launch this top of next year. So, you know, we've got a lot of different things that we're looking to to make happen, but we, we've got the right team here to make this happen. Right. And final question, how can folks find out more information about Navigate Maternity? 
Absolutely. So you guys can follow us at Navigate Maternity on IG, on TikTok, and then also, you know, definitely check out our website at www.navigatematernity.com. All right. That concludes this group of the MedTech Color finalists. We'll have our last four finalists coming up a little later in the podcast. All right, Sean, what is uh, number two on the new Marcus Newsmakers list? Number two is a company we, we come back to a lot, Medtronic. Heard of it. Uh, they, they, <laughs> they released their earnings yesterday and uh, a lot of uh, Chris Newmarker covered this. Uh, it was a lot of, you know, different aspects, obviously so many different pieces of that business, but they seem to highlight their next generation Taver system. They launched, uh, in fall of last year as a big sort of driver as they beat, uh, Wall Street projections they increased their full year guidance and and i think you know not long ago there were analysts questioning medtronic and and where it was headed and this seems to at least uh for the time being you know change the the narrative i don't know it it seems like uh well chris here reported that needham and co kept their hold rating on medtronic but they're they're not going to change their opinion on on one good quarter so it'll it'll be interesting to watch uh what what happens there because it's obviously you know the, the med tech giant that we always refer to. So I, I don't know. It's uh, some interesting stuff in their report, though. No, they've, they've been taking some dings. They're actually undergoing some big changes. Of course, they reorganized a couple of years ago. They're divesting their a couple of their businesses. Uh, they're really preparing to move forward and, 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 and push toward higher growth. So I guess this is a good first step. Kwame, what is your uh, what do you think about when you when you watch Medtronic over the last couple of quarters? I'm not sure if you're a quarterly company watcher. But uh, what's your general take of uh, where Medtronic is, is ha- headed? What jumped out at me is what you said. They are right-sizing, looking at divestitures. And I feel like, you know, we saw with uh, GE, Danaher, I think the trend continues to kind of right-size, spin out multiple times, sometimes same big company to get to the core of what they think they can do well. I don't know if Medtronic will ever spin out a whole bunch of businesses, but it sounds like they're spinning out the ones where they just feel aren't core or don't serve them well. And it, it makes sense. I mean, that, that seems like something you need to do if you want to stay around for a long, long time, like Medtronic has. Yep, for sure. So, uh, well, good news. I'm glad to see Medtronic is, uh, is uh, reporting a strong quarter and uh, let's see if they can do it again uh, next time. All right, Sean, what's the, what's the big number one? This is one that I want to hear from, from Kwame on for sure. <laughs> Yeah, number one is sort of the it, it, the lawsuit that keeps on giving. I know just <laughs> before just before Christmas, uh, we reported on the uh, ITC International Trade Commission ruling that Apple Watch infringed AliveCore's patented technology around uh, ECG and heart monitoring, and uh, the it went to a presidential ruling, which President Biden upheld that decision uh, favoring AliveCore and. At the same time, the uh, Alive Corps is appealing the U.S. Patent Trial and Appeal Board decision that favored Apple. So this this case is far from over, but it, it's still going on. And uh, there's actually a similar one ongoing with Massimo uh, against Apple for for heart monitoring. And it, I really is so much history. I know like, I go back and I look at all the links that we use to link back to the previous stories that built up to this point, and it's really uh you know apple's obviously such a massive company and a live core is not and so for them to take them on and seemingly have the upper ground in some some capacity it's it's pretty intriguing absolutely and kwame you you track the the digital health space uh how do you i don't know if you're 
if you're following ITC rulings and, and such, but uh, what's your take more broadly on wearables and sort of how that that's all sorting out? Yeah. And if you have a specific comment on this one, feel free to share it. But You know, uh, I'm fortunate to Jennifer McKinney at UCLA invited mm-hmm. me to co-teach a class uh, on healthcare entrepreneurship. And Wilson Sassini gave a lecture on IP just last night. And what I was under the um, misunderstanding of is that software can't get patented, but clearly it can. Um, and digital non-traditional entrance is what I describe as Apple use their muscle to, let's just say knowingly or unknowingly put out products where they don't, um, don't have a strong IP portfolio. And I think companies like Massimo historically have defended going on the offense and said, no, you're not going to infringe on our traditional medical device companies. You're not going to infringe on our patents. And I think that's in the DNA of traditional medical device companies to stand their ground when they're capitalized well enough, um, because that is core to who we are as traditional medical device companies. And the digital entrants maybe are kind of um, just trouncing on some of that. And now mm-hmm. they're seeing some people will fight back. So I think it's good. I think it's good for innovation and it's good for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. No, definitely the company on company activity suggests there's real value there and real opportunity there. So uh, there it wouldn't fight if it wasn't worth fighting for. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, be, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm eager to see or anxious to see. I don't want time to pass, but where we are five years from now with all of this, I'm at, I've got my Apple watch. And you just feel like we're on the cusp of these devices being able to do so much more. Uh, and hopefully this these sort of turf battles, legal turf battles, don't slow things down. But uh, more broadly, Kwame, how are you feeling about the, the digital tech space, the wearable space? Are you excited about where we're headed? Yeah, so I look at the dollars and it's fun. Well, this is a podcast, so. <laughs> <laughs> he, has a, he has his arm in a downward graph mode. Like we're, we're headed down. Well, no, uh, the VC oh, dollar. Are you going up? Maybe, uh, maybe I'm getting Zoom reversed. What do you do? <laughs> See, this is this is. I'm not on camera enough. Uh, the VC dollars in digital health um, are two, three, four x in traditional medical devices. All of that aren't. All of those dollars aren't going into high quality digital health companies. But digital and yes, and digital health is here to stay. And my sense is we're going to go from monitoring image analysis type technologies, I would call that digital health 1.0 to um, precision digital uh, diagnostic tools, personalized diagnostic tools, prescription digital therapeutics. I'll call that uh, digital health 2.0. You see those companies like Behavior um, and the image analysis side. There's a Woodland Hill, a California-based company called iNook that analyzes eye images and then the future through more predictive mm-hmm. uh, you know you're at risk of ptsd we're looking at a company um that eventually wants to be able to say you have markers for and are at high risk of ptsd because of you know gene expressions so I think they're going to be waves, and I think digital is here to stay, and the non-traditional entrants like Apple and Google will also are also here to stay.
All right, we'll take our final break to hear from our final four finalists of the MedTech Color Pitch Competition. Next up is Oban Health. I spoke with Peter Jungwei. He is CEO, and Oban Health is described as a culturally informed cardiovascular digital application that helps health plans and providers engage low-income black and brown patients in treating and reversing their chronic heart disease conditions. It says here that Open Health has translated leading treatment pathways to fit the culture, language, and lifestyles of low-income black and brown patients. And it has a unique high-engagement and partnership model designed to meet the patients where they are. Let's hear from CEO Peter Jungwei, who has a personal connection, as many of these entrepreneurs do, to starting Open Health. Well, Peter Jungwei, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thanks a lot for having me, Tom. I'm excited to learn about Open Health, but first, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about your own background. Yeah, absolutely. So I am an immigrant from Cameroon. I was born in, in Cameroon and moved when I was about 11, 12, moved to Canada, and then I moved to the U.S. My background is in computer information systems. That's what I went to college for and got a minor in entrepreneurship. I started some companies when I was in college. Most of my first few years, they failed. But I learned a lot. I started working with big tech companies as a product manager, as a software developer. And I started Open because uh, a few years ago, my brother at the age of 36 passed away from uncontrolled hypertension in his sleep. This was something that was entirely preventable and should not have happened. And that was the why for Open. I'm really sorry to hear that. Well, let's learn about Open Health and how it might have uh, helped to prevent that. What, what are you trying to do? Yeah, so we focus on helping health plans and health providers. We're focused on serving underserved populations like my brother. And we help them, you know, help your patients manage and treat heart disease. We're starting with hypertension. And that is actually not just the disease itself, but the social determinants of health. So everything outside of the hospital walls that impact the patient. So where we create aging patient plan where they can engage patients as patients are treating the disease and where we help the health uh, providers and plans to make better clinical decisions and know exactly what are some of the risk factors that impact the patient and how they can help the patient as well. And how are you able to do that? What technology is Open using? Yeah, so we're a mobile application, so a front-facing mobile application. And then on the back end, we integrate with providers, EHR systems, where we provide a platform where they can see how the patient is utilizing the treatment plan. And then they can also intervene if things are not going well. We also enable them to identify certain social determinants of health risk factors. So we're able to pinpoint a substance of the patient does have access to food or is missing access that may impact their care. So they can be proactive or they can actually put together a plan that can the patient, meet the patient where they are. Okay, great. What are the milestones that you're hoping to achieve over the next year or so? Where are you at in your, in your development? Yeah, so this year we're looking to launch. So the pilots we've done so far have been three pilots to uh, showcase patient engagement. So the one thing we learned from our customers was we needed to have really good patient engagement numbers. So this year we're doing, first we have three paid pilots that are coming up. So we're really focused on revenue generation and with paid pilots. And a huge focus of those paid pilots would be around clinical outcomes. So we want to show that the clinical outcomes from using their product are, you know, that there's evidently clinical outcomes that are showing a decreased rate in cardiovascular disease, specifically hypertension. And so it's really having those three to five paid pilots Get revenue generation and showing the clinical outcomes of what we're doing that for us for next year after look this grow and scale. Okay, great. And final question, how can folks uh, find out more about uh, Open Health? Yeah, so you can go on our website, 
www.joinoben.com. We're also on LinkedIn, Open Health, as well as Instagram, Open Health. And that's where you can see where we are. Um, we share a little bit more about what we're doing and find all the things we're up to. Great. Thanks so much for sharing your story, Peter, and for joining us on the podcast. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Tom. Appreciate it. Now let's bring in Tanzan Medical. It's our next finalist. And Tanzan Medical is building and commercializing Restees. Describes Restees as an FDA breakthrough wearable device and system that can characterize leg movements during sleep to aid in the diagnosis and treatment and management of sleep movement disorders, including restless leg syndrome, which I learned a lot about. I spoke with co-founders Nalajan Banerjee and Justin Brooks. Let's listen. Nalajan Banerjee and Justin Brooks, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. I'm anxious to learn about Tanzan Medical, but first, uh, very quickly, tell me a bit about your, your background. Uh, Justin, why don't you go first? Sure. Justin Brooks, I'm a physician scientist with a background in biosignal analysis and data science. And Nalajan? Yeah, my name is Nalanjan Banerjee, and I am a computer scientist. And I'm also a full professor of computer science and electrical engineering at University of Maryland and the CEO of Tanzan Medical. I mostly do embedded systems and hardware development. Excellent. Well, Nalanjan, maybe you can tell us about Tanzan Medical. So Tanzan Medical is a company that is looking to build and commercialize a device called Restees which characterizes leg movements during sleep. So we are using this device to aid in the diagnosis and treatment management of various sleep movement disorders, such as restless leg syndrome, periodic leg movement disorder, and REM behavior disorder. We have FDA breakthrough designation for our medical device, and we are looking at commercializing and selling the device by the end of this year. What does the device look like? Is it a wristwatch sort of device? No, it's an ankle-worn wearable. So you wear it on the ankle throughout the night. It looks at various characteristics of the leg movements, which has not been looked at till now. And from those leg movements, it determines periods of time that you might have woken up, as well as if you have special types of leg movements, which are tied to various uh, sleep movement disorders. And Justin, I'm curious, you hear restless leg syndrome, and it sounds like the name itself doesn't really convey, I think, a, a, an importance, or not an importance, but at least it doesn't sound serious. Tell us about restless leg and why it's important to have a device like this that's able to help monitor it. Yeah, restless leg is actually a fairly serious condition. It affects millions of patients across the country, and it's really debilitating because restless leg syndrome clinically sort of manifests as a, as, a, as a disorder where people get these creepy, crawly sensations in their legs. And the only way they can alleviate them is by moving the leg, rubbing the leg, getting up and walking around. And as you can imagine, it really disrupts their sleep. And this company was founded to address this issue because to date, there's really no good way of diagnosing or managing it because it's all description-based. So somebody might describe it as ants, somebody else might call, describe it as an itch. And to the lay physician, you know, this diagnosis might be missed. What's perhaps even more pernicious is that what we think is happening in the brain to cause this condition really disinhibits and really causes a lot of dysfunction in the cortical brain areas. And so people are actually losing sort of next day performance. Their stress is getting amplified because the brain itself is waking up undetectably over the course of the night. And so our, our device, by measuring spe specific features in the leg movements, can actually detect this brain dysfunction and allow physicians to treat their patients much better. 
I'd like to have my ignorant question stricken from the record, if that's all right. Okay, now that's sounds... great. Question. <laughs> that, that sounds we, very we serious. That, we get that question all the time. And it is, it is. <laughs> what are your milestones? What are you hoping to achieve over the next year? So we've had a lot of success to date, you know, with with bootstrapping a lot of non-diluting funds, various grants from the National Science Foundation, NIH. We've gotten the device to a, a pretty good version two of our prototype. We're in a number of different research labs and clinical settings across the country at some of the top top places in the country, including UCSF, Yale University, Johns Hopkins. What we'd like to do over the next year is redesign the device. We've got some lessons learned based on um, all of these experiences. And we'd like to get into, through our formal FDA approval process, as Nalanja mentioned, we have breakthrough device designation, and we're looking to move through our market approval process uh, this year. We're also looking to, after our redesign is complete, to manufacture about 10,000 units and broaden our market and, and start selling, hopefully by, by the end of the year. How could folks find out more about uh, Tanzan Medical? So we have a web portal, um, which is www.tanzanmed.com. We keep it up to date, and that's where most of the information about the company is visible. We are also working on our social uh, media presence. So we should have that on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook very soon. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing the story on the podcast. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Next, I'd like to bring in Thermaband. Thermaband is a health tech company that provides thermal comfort through a temperature-regulating bracelet and connected companion app with digital menopausal-related health insights. I spoke with co-founders Debbie Dickinson and Markeia dickinson Fraser. Let's listen. Right, well, I'm here with Debbie Dickinson and Markeia dickinson Fraser. Debbie is co-founder and CEO. And Marquia is co-founder and CEO. Debbie, why don't you uh, go first? Tell us a bit about yourself. Oh, all right. Delighted to be here, by the way. Debbie Dickinson, and, and we are the mother-daughter duo, I might say. <laughs> That's um, awesome. And co-founders of Thermaband. My background is, is actually a, a legal, you know, actually practiced as a lawyer in the benefits area for a number of years, worked in the pharmaceutical industry in, in, as a benefits professional. I've actually lectured and, and had a number of entrepreneurial pursuits and have been an advocate for women's issues. And this has really, really been a phenomenal, really, it, it ties in so many of, of the skills and, and things that, that we're interested in. So all those, you know, whether it's entrepreneurial, women's issues, actually, one of the entrepreneurial pursuits was with Silpata Designs, so accessories or jewelry accessories for women. So yeah, so, so a varied background and you now tackling thermal health with a smart bracelet and delighted to share about what we're doing. Terrific. Marquia, can you tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So my background's in supply chain. I actually worked in consumer goods at Unilever for a number of years. I was a production manager in a manufacturing facility. I worked in procurement and worked in planning as well. And we actually were able to incubate Thermaband while I was getting my MBA at Yale. That's fantastic. All right. Well, let's uh, take a moment to learn about Thermaband. Debbie, tell us about the company and the product. All right. Yes. So we have a smart wearable, which is really a bracelet that provides immediate hot flash relief and then a, a connected app with digital health insights. So it activates either manually or automatically and preemptively, which is, is pretty exciting. It'll turn on for you if, if, if you select and give not only the relief that is so desirable, but also insights through a, an app with a connected community relative to what's happening with our bodies. Can you share a little bit about how it's able to deliver that relief? 
Yeah, it's similar to the technology that that's in our car seat. You hit a button and it, it gets cool or you hit a button and it gets warm. So it's discrete heating or cooling sensations. On the inner wrist, it's a receptor on our inner wrist. Our body has lots of receptors. And just you know, when you hang on to a, you know, a cold glass of water or, or a warm cup of cocoa when you're uncomfortably hot or cold, just introducing that, that sensation really activates our body's thermoregulatory center in, in, in the brain and allows us sort of perception of comfort is correlated with, you know, temperature or touch, especially for a hot flash. It really subsides as we learn from our, our testers and just based on what, what we're doing, you know, as, as women experiencing a hot flash, we know we can stick our hands in the freezer. We can put our hands on the cold running water. We can put our hands on a, you know, cool granite countertop and, you know, frozen gel packs, et cetera, et cetera. Or we have a device that can just give us a cool sensation in, in a very discreet manner. And we get the relief that we typically get in in less tech ways, <laughs> let's say. That's great. Well, this is definitely an area that hasn't received much attention in the past. So it's great that you're giving it the attention that is due. Marquia, can you tell us a bit about where you are with the product and what are some milestones you'd like to achieve coming up over the next year? Absolutely. So we are actually in manufacturing now. The plan is to ship in early, early spring. And we're really excited about the community that we've been able to build. We built a community of over 60,000 women. We've sold about 500 pre-orders. And we're at this point where we actually have raised over $1.5 million from venture capital funds and angel investors and accredited investors. So really excited about the progress that we've had so far. Wow, that's outstanding. Excellent. How can folks find out more information about Thermaban? Uh, well, on our website, so thermaband.com, T-H-E-R-M-A-B-A-N-D. And also on Facebook, we have a multi-generational sisterhood on health, wellness, and menopause. And we have a growing community of women talking about health, well, you know, women's health and wellness, and really getting into menopause and education and collaboration and that sort of thing. So, and, and on Instagram as well, at Thermaband. Fantastic. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. Fantastic. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. And finally, let's bring in You Me Healthcare. I spoke with CEO Hafiza Mohammed. And You Me Healthcare is described as a personalized, comprehensive, and inclusive telehealth and psychiatry treatment company for low income youth. And once again, I spoke with the CEO Hafiza Mohammed, who founded the company after a, a very personal and troubling experience. Let's listen. Well, Hafiza Mohammed, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for sharing Yumi Healthcare's story. But before we get into that story, tell us your story. How did you uh, get to, to start this company? So Yumi Healthcare, I was an executive for a large mental health company, and they were in more than 40 states. And while I was working there, I noticed that, you know, there were kids that would call in that needed help with mental health struggles. Majority of some of them had, you know, Medicaid, which is federally funded insurance. And strategy hit me in October of 2020. My son, who was six at the time, came to me and said, Mommy, I feel like I want to kill myself. As a mom, I felt like a failure. I, fe I, I felt helpless. But even though I had, you know, thousands of therapists around me, I couldn't find care for my son. At that moment, I said, I never want another parent to go through the pain that I was going through. And I left and I started Yumi Healthcare. So we are a pediatric 
mental health company that focuses, um, well, pediatric and family, because we we help the entire family unit that focuses on children that have federally funded insurance. That's a great reason to start. And it's definitely an area in great need. There's a that whole system is uh, in disarray. But uh, well, tell us, how does how does Yumi Healthcare help? Yeah, so Yumi Healthcare helps. We, we take a look at the family from the from entire perspective. So not only the child who is struggling, but also if the parent is struggling that has children. We provide therapy, we provide psychiatry, and we also do something that's cool that's called bibliotherapy, where we utilize like books as part of our therapy. So we illustrate and digitalize our books so our patients can have content to use in between sessions to help them improve their outcomes and get closer to being able to have a happy and fulfilling life. And that's something I'm really excited about. So we have that one-on-one and that independent support that we provide for them. So is this done all on uh, on smartphone or, or what's the technical interface? So great question. So this is done digitally. So we do our all telehealth. We have an app that our kids can access and use, as well as their families that they can use in between sessions. So everything is done digitally so that, you know, no matter who you are, where you're at, if you can't come into an office, at least you can have Yumi Healthcare for support. That's fantastic. And what sort of milestones are you, are you looking to achieve over the next year? Where are you as a company? Yeah, so some milestones that we're, we're looking to achieve is that we are writing out our anxiety content for bibliotherapy. So, so far we've done more than 6,000 sessions that we've done. And right now we want wow. to take it to the next level. Yeah. So that we can reach more children faster. We believe that our bibliotherapy product is one of those unique solutions that can reach every child, right? Because anyone can go through a digital book, read their therapeutic. And we want to be able to at least like reach more children that we have right now. And that's done through expansion. So right now we're based in Maryland and we're entering D.C., Virginia within the next year so that we're able to start expanding our support. And hopefully by 2025, we can be everywhere in the U.S. so that every child in federally funded insurance, which is more than half of the child population in the U.S., can have equal access to care. If people want to find out more information as an investor or partner or as a parent, where can they go? If they want to find out more information, they can go to www.yumihealthcare.com. They can also reach out to me on LinkedIn or follow our LinkedIn company page as well. Great. We'll have your, your name in the uh, in the podcast notes so they can find you easily. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you for sharing your story. All right. Well, that is a wrap on these profiles. Thanks to uh, all the entrepreneurs and founders who made the time to share their story on the podcast and best of luck on the pitch contest all right well we'll, we heard from uh, all the finalists for the medtech color pitch contest we'll we'll kind of review the details of that uh of the 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 pitch contest which is coming up on on march 3rd but before we go there kwame i mean we are three years removed almost from the murder of george floyd 2020 many of us made pronouncements that we were going to try to improve uh representation and diversity in, in workforces i'm curious from your position as executive director of MedTech Color, are things getting better? Are you seeing progress? Are you are you encouraged? So I would say when you look at organizations that are working on these issues, like California Life Sciences, as an example, they have a racial and social equity program that was funded for $3 million 
that they will persist in. So it went from an initiative to a program, and they're working to along very specific pillars to address this issue systemically. When you look at what's happened for MedTech Color, we went from our first prize was 25K to now our, our first prize is 75K. So there have been some growth, but the magnitude of investment dollars, and that's an area that I spent a lot of time focused on, um, the magnitude of energy around diversity of clinical trials, mm-hmm. we're nowhere near where we need to be. Um, because if you look at the numbers of investment dollars, some data will show that it's been flat. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Some will say it's been, there's a, been a dip investing in companies led by people of color. But generally speaking, I do think there's a sustained awareness and activity that organizations like Avamed are pushing forward, MedTech Colors pushing forward, et cetera. Yeah. And how about in the, in the MedTech workforce at some of the larger companies? Yeah. So our partners like Olympus are really focused on, as they should be, on pipeline issues. I know ResMed has a laser-like focus on this. Uh, and I know from way back, Stryker uh, has been focused on targets and diversifying their board to address this issue. Mm-hmm. It's, nowhere, it's nowhere near solved. Uh, the numbers aren't where they need to be in terms of um going beyond tokenism uh, and leadership. Mm -hmm. But I do think you can point to examples of companies who are really committed to this for the long term and they're staffing DE&I positions properly or or HR positions. So and and holding leaders accountable to really try and get more people at the table, more diverse voices at the Mm -hmm. table. Yeah. And, and, and you mentioned the FDA and clinical trials earlier. You used to work at the FDA. We've talked about that on the podcast before. Uh, a week ago or so, uh, there was an article in Nature that says the FDA to require diversity plan for, for clinical trials. Uh, I'd love to get your take on that. I mean, to be upfront, I wasn't even aware this was an issue until a few years ago. So, so shame yeah. on me. So we're having this conversation. Are we, do, does this feel like we're Finding a solution or is this just another article about, about I, the problem? I, so I will tell you, having worked at the FDA, my, my old colleague, Michelle Tarver, has done some amazing work. Once you start mandating certain data elements in applications, that's when you move the needle. There are only about two or three real powerful things the FDA does, in my humble opinion. One is around user fees mm-hmm. <laughs> and what they say they're going to do. Yep. <laughs> And, and the other is mandating data requirements for marketing applications because ultimately, and the third thing, and I'm excited about this, is this breakthrough designation program has added an eligibility requirement to address health equity. Okay. So companies love breakthrough. Now, more companies who are addressing health equity, like some of our top 10 winners, could get breakthrough designation because they're addressing a health equity issue. And those, they seem like simple moves, but they are needle-moving moves. Uh, The FDA clinical trials policy, the breakthrough designation policy, and any requirements tied to user fees will move the industry forward. And I think those three will. Excellent. Well, great stuff. And uh, yeah, move. I know Boston Scientific has had an effort to to close the gap, called close the gap. Um, I know others as well, Medtronic as well. So... Uh, but you're right. I think the real change comes when it's required and everyone has to work with the same 
understanding under the same approach. So we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on that as well. Uh, going back to the, the pitch contest once again, where where will it be? Can people who are listening, if they're in the area, can they attend? Uh, if so, how can they find out more information and how can they get involved with Med to Color? If that's if they may not want to be at the pitch contest, but they want to they want to be part of what you're doing going forward. What what how can they do that? Absolutely. So the first thing um, I would invite your listeners to do is to visit medtechcolor.org and learn more about the pitch competition. It's going to be live, in beautiful Culver City, specifically at one of our strong partners, Bioscience LA's facility. Bioscience LA is a convener of life science uh, stakeholders in uh, Southern California. It will be on March 3rd in person. Uh, uh, highly produced and live stream. So if for some reason you can't make it to sunny Southern California, you can uh, watch it in the comfort of your home. We're going to have judges from the NIH, Olympus, Johnson & Johnson. Many of our corporate partners are going to fly in. Uh, there's going to be a contingent of uh, lawyers from Wilson Sonsini, McDermott, Will & Emery will be there. The entire ecosystem will show up. So we can't wait. And we invite uh, your listeners to join us. Great. And uh, is this the first time you're getting together live or were you able to do live last year? I forget. That pandemic messed us up, man. So this is <laughs> <laughs> that little thing called the pandemic. This is our first in-person uh, event. So we're just so excited. The uh, facility will hold roughly 125 people. Um, and uh, we're going to have venture capitalists uh, in addition to the other uh, invited guests as well. Great. And more broadly, final question just about MedTech Color. What can folks can go to medtechcolor.org to find out more information about that? But what kind of help are you looking for? More larger strategics, more just regular members? Who's welcome? Who's welcome under the tent? Everyone is welcome. The two focus areas we have for 2023 are um, more corporate partners. Um, sure, uh, Solutions recently joined as a corporate partner. Uh, TMG has been a strong corporate partner for a while, in addition to Johnson and Johnson and others. But the other is the other thing. Number two is uh, members. Members want to volunteer for different committees, and there's an easy way to sign up to be a member. We have two categories: one for professionals and one for young professionals. And we would invite you to explore uh, joining a committee and volunteer uh, as a member of our group. Fantastic. All right. Well, uh, I'm glad it's going well I'm, I'm i hope next time we talk we'll we'll have even more uh progress to to discuss yeah. and uh thanks for for making all of your finalists available for the podcast it was great to, to be able to tell their stories oh tom thank you and thank you device talks you've been excellent to us and i'm so glad that the ceos had a chance to tell their story and meet with you they were they were fantastic so uh final part of this uh social media kwame you're our guest where can folks find you out on social media Ah, we are very active on LinkedIn. You can even find us on Instagram. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe our handles are MedTechColor on LinkedIn and Instagram. So follow us those places. And Sean Hooley, where, where are you out there in social media land? You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Sean, S-E-A-N-W-H-O-O-L-E-Y, Hooley. And uh, it's the same with W-T-W-H at the end of the handle on LinkedIn, or on Twitter, excuse me, uh, Sean Hooley, W-T-W-H, although I'm not particularly active there, uh, waiting to see as the dust settles on what's going on on that site. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get back there. We, we, we got to get you a, a, a nickname, though, for your handle, so it's easier. So, uh 
<laughs> I, I'm on Twitter at MedTechTom and like you, yeah, I'm trying to, I, I walked away. Now I'm kind of stepping back and just keeping it to MedTech. MedTech and Red Sox, like I said last week, that's it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm on LinkedIn, of course, Tom, S-A-L-E-M-I. Uh, we want folks, Sean Hooley, you ready for this? What do we want folks to do? Like, follow, subscribe. <laughs> Very good. Is that right? You got it right. Yes, God. Chris would be proud. And it's a lot of pressure. I know that was probably part of your performance review, right? You had to get that right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, follow, and or subscribe to this podcast, actually, the Device Talks Podcast Network. You'll get future episodes of Device Talks Weekly, Striker Talks, Intuitive Talks, and uh, Boston Scientific Talks is coming up next month. And uh, you can also subscribe to Medtronic Talks. It has its own channel. Everything's available on every Google, on every podcast application, Google, Apple, Spotify, et cetera. So, uh, yeah. And, of course, everything's available on devicetalks.com. You can find out information about Device Talks Tuesdays, which we just started this week, our season four. And, of course, Device Talks Boston is happening on May 10th and 11th. And uh, hopefully, Kwame, you'll be part of Device Talks West, which will be uh, October 18th and 19th. In Santa Clara, but we can we can talk about that later. We have some time. That's it, Kwame. Thank you for uh, for joining us on the podcast. Oh, thank you, Tom. It's always a pleasure. Great thank to have you. you. Thank All you, right. Sean. For nice to meet nice to meet you today as well, Kwame. Um, thanks thank for you. filling in, Sean Hooley. <laughs> My pleasure.